Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Professor Roberts. Hello, guest lecturer Eric. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Ward is a. Can I say you're a professor, no. or does that title? No, no, you are an adjunct instructor. What? I'm an adjunct. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's okay. do it again. Hello, adjunct instructor. Roberts. Hello, guest speaker Penkowski. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Ward is and has been now for several weeks an adjunct professor with the IU Media School teaching a course out here for media school students who are part of a LA program that that sets up media school students who want to get into the entertainment business with uh, you know a, a, a set of courses out here in Los Angeles and encourages them strongly to get internships and work in the business and uh, and Ward how's that been going great I wish they had that program when I was a young lad I think Instead of showing up to L.A. sight unseen, it would have been nice to have some bearings, um, some relationships with established folk in the industry, particularly with IU ties. And it's the perfect teaching gig because it's like I was a guest speaker for this class several times over the last few years through Tommy O'Haver, an amazing filmmaker from IU. Um, and the great part about the gig is it's mostly about getting people to come in and do it for you. Like you did, <laughs> you came in and held court with the students and, uh, very impressive as you always are in public speaking and look for these kids to be able to see what, not just you, but I've got some other real heavy hitters who graduated from Bloomington who've been out here for quite some time and risen to different aspects of the industry, it's like um, they can really hear it directly from those who have who have come out here with a IU degree and worked their way up um, in dreamland. So, you know, it makes it much, much more of a, a practical dream to pursue when you hear almost step by step how people have come from the same background as you and this is how they went about uh, accomplishing as much as they have. Dare I say that not only is our podcast, but your class is, as always, powered by communitycards.com. Sponsor of the Legends Talk with Real quick, let's get the business out of the way, but it's business that we love. Community Cars, I actually just got off the phone with Evan Martin uh, discussing, uh, you know, various Indiana University things and his support for us and NIL efforts. Uh, we are in the process of setting up an event at Community Cars, which will happen within the next, I think about the next four weeks with 
I think I can just say it, with Jalen Hood Shafino and Sydney Parrish. There you go. Will be appearing at a community cars dealership in Bloomington where they will take pictures, uh, take pictures, sign autographs, chat with all the people who want to come. And uh, you know what? I mean, look, everybody's got to buy a car. We're still in that world. They don't have autonomous vehicles quite yet. And if you're going to buy a car, just go buy it from community. Stop messing around. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be happy. You, you, you get the, the best deal. You get a fair deal. You get people who treat you like a human being. And you get to meet the best freshman point guard in the country. Yeah, and one of the biggest impact transfers for the women's program in the country, uh, who is also a hometown hero, if you will, from the state of Indiana, Sydney Parish was a McDonald's high school All-American coming out of high school, went to Oregon, decided that the grass is not always greener, and forgive the pun because of Oregon's colors, and decided to come back to where she belongs, Indiana University, and is part of what I would call not a rebuild, but a reloading of the IU women's basketball program, which is going to look very different this year than even the great teams that have been there the last several years. Now, look, you've referred to Sydney several times as a hometown hero. I think we got to go home state hero, right? That's right. She went to Hamilton Southeastern and uh, look, we're very happy to have her back in the borders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So uh, let's get into some stuff. I think we start with, look, we're about to enter week three of the college football season. Undefeated. We are undefeated, which is a stark difference to where we were one year ago today. 2-0, I don't care how you slice it, especially when one of those is a Big Ten win. Feels good. It does. I mean, beating Illinois was huge. The way they did it was was exciting. Not a great game up until that point. And then this last week, look, it wasn't great, but like you said, it doesn't really matter. I We don't know what we have yet, I think is fair That's to say. That's fair to say. Right? And, and look, I don't want to, you know, I guess this is my first time this season to bring it up, but my other, the other football team in my life, the Colts, are o are o o and one. They're also undefeated, uh, but that does that doesn't feel as good as two and o. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and look, I think that I was really happy to see Shivers get go off a little yeah. bit. Ran twenty times for like one hundred and forty four yards, something like that, one hundred and fifty yards. Um, Bazelak does look like he can fling the ball around. The conditions at the beginning of that game sucked and, tr- and it looked like they affected him. But, you know, we do think that the same issues we had last year with the offensive line still seem to exist. But, like, I, it's like I don't want to complain about it every week because it is what it is. And you know more about football than I do. But that is not something that is going to get fixed between now and January when we're playing in the Rose. Correct, game. correct. It, it will just have to be something that gets a, a little bit better, hopefully every day in practice. And, you know, look, every team – is trying to get better every day in practice. Can you outpace the other squads right. in, in your improvement? Um, because, yeah, like we can't get away with, uh, you know, uh, really late starts. Like, you know, again, this is this is something the Colts went through too, where you're just like, is, that, is our team even showing up today? And then they get it going late. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something when you've got – Big-time Big Ten foes coming in, you've got to be executing from the first snap. And, you know, I, I have faith. I have faith, and I think so much of all of sports is confidence. And for this team to be 2-0 and and to be going through their drills every day in practice, being like, we are 2-0, and 
we can be three and zero, and they can be. You know, it's Western Kentucky. It's it's not Ohio State in Columbus. So hopefully that is what can really build some momentum as the schedule gets tougher. Yeah, and three and zero gets you halfway to a bowl game. True. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is like six is the magic number. I don't care how they get. I was. It. I don't care what it looks like. They got to get. Six. I was told there wouldn't be math. Uh, before we get into basketball, uh, as you know, I was traveling for work this week and, and I had a little, um, a little incident in the airport that I want to discuss. Does it involve the bathroom? It it does not. Okay, great. What do you got? (laughs) What a sad state of affairs that, that I say I had an incident and you immediately think it's the bathroom. I mean, we're just, we're just looking at history here. Just, just whenever you bring up an incident, especially if you're traveling somewhere, it usually ends up in the bathroom. Yeah, I will say, not not to go on a tangent here, but I almost broke my streak and had to do number two on the plane. Oof! I have never done it, not one time in my life. I'm 45 years old. Maybe I did as a kid, but I cannot remember ever doing that. Yeah, that look, it, it, maybe the thing I am most proud of in my life is that streak. <laughs> and I want that to continue my entire life because the idea of doing that in a plane is disgusting. I me. mean, the only upshot is at least you have plenty of headroom. Right? Your forehead isn't resting against the sloping <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> you you are as close to like a person as you are to like the sink and the door. <laughs> you know, like there's just this thin metal door separating you from like a bunch of people there's just no getting around if you go in there the people know what's going on and i don't want to look people in the eye after that yeah well you know what you do to like as a as a disguise you 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 take uh your girlfriend in there with you i'm not going to mention her name because that's that's rude but then while you're dropping a deuce they just think you're doing the high high, mile high club that's that's how you get around that what relationship do you have with your wife and think I have with my girlfriend that 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 is even a possibility? I mean, that would end the relationship. As it should. No, I... Uh... The, the question would end the relationship. <laughs> so... Um, but here's the yeah, incident. What happened? happened? I was waiting for the plane. We got to the airport really early. And I'm wearing my travel gear, which is always IU gear. And a woman sees it and she comes over to me and she says, I had to come talk to you. You're a Hoosier. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And uh, we started having a conversation about where she's from. And she lived in Indianapolis for many years, actually Greenwood. And two of her kids went to Indiana. It was a great conversation. She's like, where are you from? And I said, well, originally from St. Louis, went to school at IU. My dad's from Gary. And she just kind of looked at me cross-eyed and she goes, "Uh, well, you're not a Hoosier what? And I go, what do you, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you're not from Indiana. You have to be a a Hoosier is from Indiana, or at least has lived there for a significant portion of their life. And I got really mad as you should have. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm a Hoosier. Like that is that look, if anybody can just use whatever pronouns they want these (laughs) days, I can, the Hoosiers is how I identify. Okay, <laughs> that's my pronoun or Hoosier, Hoosie. That's our mo- those are my pronouns. And we got into a debate and she would not relent. 
And I was curious, because you and I have not really had this conversation. You are obviously a Hoosier born and bred, grew born in Peru, grew up in Indiana, family still in Indiana. Do you, and be honest, do you look at me as like a transplanted Hoosier? Like, do you look at me as a Hoosier once removed? Is there a difference in your mind between me and other Hoosiers that you grew up with? First of all, no. Like, okay, if, that's because good. it's a state of mind. Okay. It's, the, it's okay. the Hoosier state of mind. And and your Hoosier state of mind is absolutely insane. So far beyond the vast <laughs> majority of people living within the borders of that state. You know, like if, if somebody wanted to parse and be like, well, a, a Purdue fan who's from Indiana is still a Hoosier. Sure. Like if, you know, if they want to say, well, there's two different kind of Hoosiers, they could make that argument. I would, uh, I would have, I would have gotten mad at that woman with you for you. I would have so come to your defense and, and very quickly tried to bring her to tears in proving how you are more of a Hoosier than she probably is. Cause I bet. Well, I, I appreciate that because she did go on to tell me that one of her kids, she had four kids went to Purdue and that he's a Hoosier. And I'm like, no, no, sorry. I know what you're saying. And I know like what you were just saying, the two different kinds of Hoosiers. Right. But I'm like, no, I'm sorry. If you go to Purdue, you're a boilermaker. You're, you're also an You're asshole. a boil. But, a boil on the ass <laughs> yeah. of the state of Indiana. Yeah, but you're not a Hoosier the way we talk about Hoosiers. That's that's what I'm sticking with. Uh, yeah, but it, it's, you know, when you, you look at, so many of the great Hoosiers, say a Kurt Vonnegut or a Dave Letterman, who uh, did not attend IU Bloomington. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to call them Hoosiers seven days a week uh, and twice on Mondays. I just decided to do my own thing with that. Monday? Yeah, why not? Um, yeah. Why do you, where do you think the phrase twice on Sunday comes from? Is it the matinee Broadway? Ooh, you know, I you may be on to something there. Now there's matinees on, on Tuesdays as well. Uh, oh, are yeah, that, okay. that's more on the Broadway parlance. You have a Tuesday matinee and an evening show. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, look, you're a uh, 1000% Hoosier and, okay, um, good, look, good. I, you know, even, even my kids identify as Hoosiers because of like the, the family there, us being from there, them going back there. Uh, uh m- my daughter, who's, you know, not like a little kid who doesn't know what's going on. She's in middle school now. Somebody asked her a few weeks ago, like, where are you from? And she said Indiana. And like immediately you realize, oh, wait, no, I was, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. But, oh, I but, like but that. it's so a part of, of her identity, if you will, that that's just what came out without her thinking. She, she corrected herself. But yeah, they're uh, the same way I consider myself half Hungarian because of my, my mother being a Hungarian. Um, I'm glad my kids feel like they're Hoosiers too. And you absolutely are. And that woman should move to Illinois if that's going to be her attitude. I, I agree. By the way, speaking of like homelands, if you will, have I ever told you the story? I think I have of my assistant, my former assistant <laughs> at work and Poland. Uh, no, no, I don't believe so. Uh, all right. I got to tell a quick story. I was invited to go speak at a television conference in Copenhagen, Denmark. Yep, yep I remember that. About four years ago or mm-hmm. so. And it was in the middle of a really busy time at work. So I had an assistant. She was arranging all the travel and accommodations and all that. And all I said to her was, listen, 
because I was like going in to speak to the conference and then leaving the next day. I had like one day in Denmark. Mm. I said, all I care about is direct flights. <laughs> like get me a direct flight from LA to Copenhagen. If it exists, I don't care what the cost is. They'll pay for it. Let's just make that happen. And so I, I was leaving like on a red eye. It was like a red eye that okay. night. And so I didn't pay attention to any of the travel details until the day of I was at the office and she came in and she handed me my like travel docs and you've put me on mute. What is happening on your side of the world right now, Ward? Ward has muted. Yeah. What's going on? It's trash day here in Glendale. Oh, okay. That was smooth. That was smooth. Keep Um, going. I'm listening, buddy. And I I look down at the travel docs and it, it looks like there is a stop. And, and, and I look and the stop, the layover is in Warsaw, Poland. And not that I'm uh, an idiot when it comes to geography, but I didn't have a firm command on where everything was in relation to Denmark. So I quickly glanced at the old map on Google and realized that Poland was east of Copenhagen. Oh, yeah. You're overshooting it there for sure. I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I overshooting it? There must not be a direct flight. But still, that seems like such a weird thing to overshoot it to get to Warsaw, which I would never think is like some travel hub of the world. You know, like Heathrow? Okay, I get that. Sure, sure. You know, Paris. Paris, right. You know, Mm -hmm. Madrid. Munich, Munich, maybe. Sure. Um, now, of course, my, my, my people have a complicated past with, with Germany, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so I ask her, I say, hey, come on in. I will keep her name uh, for all of those of you who are connected to my assistant in L.A. And I brought her in. I said, so was there not a direct flight? And she goes, she had a smile on her face. And she goes, no. She goes, there is a direct flight. But I took the liberty since how often are you going to be able to get back to your homeland? (laughs) I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she said that she asked around and nobody that knew me had any memory of me going to Poland. And because my name is Pankowski, which is a Polish name. Yeah. And it is true that my grandparents are from Poland, that she took the liberty of booking me a layover in Poland so that I could, quote, visit my homeland. (laughs) Did you take the liberty of having her look for a new job? Immediately when I came back. (laughs) So it was too late to change anything. And I'm I'm grilling her. I go, I, I was incredulous. But the thing that got me the most was like, even if you bought her argument, somehow two hours in the Warsaw airport <laughs> was me connecting to my homeland? <laughs> Just go out, grab a handful of soil, smell the air. Sure, right. sure. I went to the bathroom and toured a duty-free store. <laughs> I was livid. Had so a, anyway, there's... Had a, there's had connecting a, to my homeland. Like, had a Polish sausage? Did you have... No. Is that a thing? No. Yeah, no. I think it is a thing, but I didn't have one. All right. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the main course here. Recruit. Which is recruiting. Let's recruit. Yeah. Let's get some recruiting on. There's 
you know, there's a lot of activity. We could say that for sure. That, and I think that that is a great way to, to put it. There is a ton of activity. Now, I'm not sure how much achievement is going on, but there's a lot of activity. I did some quick research, Ward. We have offered 24 kids that we know of from the class of 2024. 18 of those are in the top 80 as, uh, as ranked by the current most updated 247 recruiting lists. 12 are in the top 30. 24 total recruits that we have made offers to. We're not going to go through each one because the truth is some of these offers are just not even real. They're just like, well, let's take the big one. Nas Cunningham, who we just offered recently, is ranked number three in the 247 rankings. And in some of the other rankings, I think he's ranked number one. That is correct. He plays for Overtime Elite in Georgia. We have as close to zero of a chance of getting Nas Cunningham as anything in the world. I mean, it is literally close to zero. But they made him an offer because, from what I understand, sometimes it's good to make offers to these programs because it gets you in good with those people and they like the fact that a school is offering multiple people in their program, which I think we have. But mm-hmm. it, it's not a – it's just I, – I see everybody getting all worked up about it, and I just do not get worked up about these after following recruiting now the way we have for several years. Yeah. There, there's really only a handful of guys that are real in this list, and it's hard to parse which ones are and which ones aren't. And I'm just not sure I feel the excitement that I'm seeing online – from people. What, what's your take? I, I am not that excited about it. And it almost feels, I'll just put out my hypothesis. The 2023 class was the polar opposite of this. Right. We, we offered very few. Um, and look, it didn't work. I mean, that you could say that. So might as well change, you know, change strategy. Sure. But it does seem like a total overcompensation for having a very limited pool of people that we even offered. Um, but I'm just not that excited about it, shy of <coughs> a few of the guys like Derek Queen, Liam McNeely, you know, Rally Burgess, who I am really excited about that, that we're in on and, and, and recruiting hard. What's your take here? Yeah, well, look, <laughs> you, you do miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And uh, if you fling a whole bowl of spaghetti against the wall, uh, you know, more likely to have a few strands stick if you don't do it at all. So I don't, I don't really think it it hurts anything. Um, to your point of like, hey, we're getting in with these programs, and we're just, you know, the, the, obviously the the blitz we did um, as a staff here recently. Uh, I'm okay with the the general idea of really getting out there, getting the offers out there. Uh, as a, a strategy, like I definitely defer to, to Kenya and Ya and Brian um, on how to go about doing that stuff in, in an effective way. But in terms of my personal excitement, that really only happens uh, under two situations. One, once they schedule an official visit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, 
if we have somebody like Jeff Rabbi Rabjohns who says, you know, this is something to pay attention to. If if Rabbi's doing more of just saying they're 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 going to look into it, something sort right. of perfunctory, it's like, okay, well, they'll uh, they'll reach out a few times and see if they can get anything going. But it's really, you know, and that's why some of these official visits that that are coming up, like, yeah, I'll I'll get excited about those because I think that's when you're starting to get in like the numbers of okay, yeah, if you get so many official visits, right. uh, they seem to do a good job with it. Bloomington's great. Um, all right, I'll start getting a little bit worked up about this. But no, in in terms of the vast majority of those those twenty fours, I'm like, um, get back to me when they're in Bloomington. Yeah, and and speaking broadly, I guess you're right that it can't really hurt. I guess where I look at it is I go. The, the spaghetti analogy, which I think is a fair one, which I think everybody kind of goes to, um, I'm not sure that that actually applies in recruiting because you could miss on all of them. And I do wonder, Ward, like, you know, to just talk about the elephant in the room here, Indiana, as it is currently constituted, has a very non-conventional approach to recruiting. I think mm-hmm. that is fair to say. Sure. Our head coach does not dive in in the same way that a Matt Painter or a Tom Izzo um, or a Chris Holtman does. He, he, he takes more of a, um, a 30,000-foot level approach, and then when it narrows down and we get recruits on campus, he does seem to be very good in the room with people. We know that. But I do wonder, the the wider net you cast, does it make it even less likely that he gets involved in recruitments? Because there's just so many. How could you possibly keep it all straight? And so I, I almost wonder, would the strategy be better of just, no, may, maybe offer a few more than you did in 2023, but really drive home the point to the head, head coach that, like, we need you starting now to be weekly recruiting these people. And if you're at 24 offers, how in the world do you possibly manage that? Well, and that that is on the assistance, right? Like, okay, we've got 24. and That like, we know of, that we know of. There could be more. Right. And these, I mean, you know what, these eight, we think right. uh, we could be on the lead lap with. We could be in their final cut down list uh, as it stands today. Coach, could you reach out to them once a week? You know, could you, could you, because look, I really, I really don't like it when you're right, especially when it's in, sure. a, a, um, that you're, you're, you're worried about something, that something's going, yeah. uh, or could go in the wrong direction. And this idea of like, well, who's the real stud recruit that we've, and look, Woody's been there a year and a half, but, but that's starting to get in the time frame now. Where you're like, okay, who is the the guy we've been after for a year, year and a half that we've landed that is a, a five star or a high four star, and and that has yet to happen. Where it's like, here's a guy we we're in with some other top ten, top twenty right. uh, size programs, and we got him. We got him from these other guys because ultimately he felt uh, a strong connection to the head coach. Like we haven't seen that play out yet. Um, so, you know, I'm curious in terms of the shortfalls of the 23 class at this stage, 
is is there awakening? Is there an idea of because we have so many irons in the fire for 24 and some good ones with in-state guys for 25? Is is the head coach starting to invest more time in the weekly planner? Um, you know, based on what his assistants are saying, like, yeah, hey, you need to hit this guy once a week. Is that happening? I don't know. Yeah, I don't believe so. I, yeah. I don't. I think yeah. the assistants have surely changed. I think the assistants looked at 23 and went, shit. The, let, let's also be honest. The 23 class sucked. Like that, everybody is saying that. Like mincing words. But the 23 class overall from a talent level just wasn't good. And so there weren't as many people to get excited about. Okay. But I think they looked at it and go, wow, we really narrowed it down to Jamie Kaiser and TJ Power and Arrington Page and, you know, very late with Deshaun uh, Harris-Smith, and we didn't get any of them. And, and, but, but our pool was extremely small, you know. And so I think the assistants are like, the hell with that. We're going to go with a big pool because let's also be honest. These offers are not coming from Woody. Many of these offers are just coming from the assistant coaches. It and can't. Ha- it just can't have the same impact. It, it can't, for sure. And I'm sure other schools are doing that as well. But I do worry that, like, let's say your math was right. I would even say let's go to nine because I'm kind of giving each assistant three guys that are like their prime, cream of the crop guys that they're really okay. focused on. That seems fair. Yeah, that, that they also feel like we have a good shot with. Right. To have weekly communication with those nine guys from the head coach in the way that our Indiana University recruiting is set up means that those assistants have to go to Woody nine times a week to get him to call them or shoot them a text. I just don't know if they're going to do that. that. That is a lot. I think that it's I don't think not- it's a lot. I, I, oh, I think that's, when fair. It, that's fair. I think it's the lifeblood of the program. And yes. if you're talking about uh, nine recruits, we're talking about three hours a week of the head coach's time. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's not a lot from our perspective. It may be a lot from the way that our head coach likes to recruit. And that's what worries me a little bit. Do we have the staying power from the head coach for the next six to nine months, 10 months to do what needs to be done. We just don't know. We just don't know. And I do think that there is a thought there that they can pick up the slack in the transfer portal and in spring recruitments because he's had success there. Jalen Hood Shafino, I'm sorry, not Jalen Hood Shafino, Tamar Bates was about a three-week recruitment when Woody got the job. Jalen Hood Shafino, Kenya had already done the hard work with and then once Woody was there, we were able to close that. But Malik Renault was a total three-week recruitment. Yep. And, and we know that Malik came to Indiana because of Jalen hood Shafino. If there is no Jalen hood Shafino, we do not get Malik. And we also know that NIL played a role here as well. So there's been extenuating circumstances for the guys that we have gotten. But to Woody's defense, I think he looks at it and goes, well, wait a minute. I've been here 18 months, and here's what I've done. I got a five-star in Tamar Bates. I got us to our first NCAA tournament game and tournament win in six years. We beat Purdue. We beat Illinois. We beat Michigan. I then get Jalen Hood-Shafino to commit in November. 
I then get Malik Renault another five stars. So I've gotten three five stars in 18 months, uh, all three of which had no connection to Indiana. No, there was no natural connection like there was with a Romeo or a Trace, you know, our previous four slash, you know, high end five stars. Yeah. And so to his defense, I think he looks at it and goes, why do I need to change? This is well, what I've done. And we'll do it again in May if we need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that does scare me. That scares me. It scares me too. And, and I think w- why there should be that concern hopefully from him as well, is like you are losing so much next year. Yes. Like, oh, let's let's all hope and pray this season goes as, as well as we want it to be because we're going to need that probably to buoy our spirits next year when we take a step back. That seems somewhat uh, inevitable. And, and I hope a step back now and our parlance is like, okay, we're, we're still a top five-ish team in the Big Ten. We still make the tournament, but we're not like Big Ten title contenders right. with like the, the, uh, the ceiling of, of streaking into the Final Four if everything clicks. Um, but with like, we're, we're not that far, we're less than a year away from a, maybe our entire starting five no longer being Indiana Hoosiers, you know, and, and that right. that should be scaring everybody because you really don't know yet. You know, maybe there's rumors midway through the season of who's going to pop up in the portal or, or you know, who hasn't committed or is like a coach gets fired and who's going to open up. Like you can't count on any of that stuff. So when you're already going to have such a turnover of talent, you would really be like, man, 23 is as a crucial classes as we have, uh, um, and it, it's it's going to fall short. So, man, we need to um, – I mean, it's kind of basically too late for the, the, the 23 guys we were looking at. Right. So it's like, ooh, if we – okay, m- m- uh, maybe we take it on the chin in 23 and get lucky with some portal guys. But, man, we really uh, – you know, for I guess the duration of Woody's tenure to be successful, um, 24 is going to have to be awesome. And we already are looking at 25 because of the in-state talent. But if there's this big drop-off next season, it could hurt all those recruitments too. Yeah, and to to your point where you said that we need 23 to be really good the season to buoy our spirits, I think we need it for more than just booing our spirits. I think to even make a real impact in the transfer portal, we better be good this year. Yeah. Because because let's be honest, when you look at the 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 landscape of college basketball, the biggest transfers, the biggest impact transfers, they do go to like Duke and Kentucky and Gonzaga and Texas and and Texas Tech and Auburn and like those those teams that have been like preeminent national programs have reaped the rewards of the transfer portal for the top impact guys. The idea that Indiana is somehow going to beat out those teams for the very small number of impact transfers it, to me is a little bit of fool's gold. There may be players that make an impact. Like, look, the best transfer, I mean, Xavier Johnson was a great transfer, obviously. Mm-hmm. He, he made a really big impact. It was inconsistent until the end of the year. But, like, Max Biefeld was a great transfer for us. You wouldn't call him this, like, mega star, but 
if we don't have Max Bielfeld, I don't think we win the Big Ten in, in 2016. He was a huge piece to the puzzle, but he was a role player filling in on a team that already had great talent. Exactly. And, and so I think it's more likely you get a guy like that. And to your point about losing everybody, that kind of player isn't going to be good enough for us. And you absolutely can't count on the players that are opening up in the spring because a coach gets fired. There's just no way of gauging that. Well, and I think the obvious position to look at, because like Malik sticks around and some of you know our other sophomores and juniors um, continue to develop and they're like good rotational guys this year who can jump into the starting lineup next year um, and, and really keep us playing at a high level. But then I, I think the glaring hole is going to be uh, we're going to have two stud point guards this year. And I think we're all excited about Gabe Cups, but just that he's going to be a freshman point guard. He's not he's not six five or six right. six. He's, he's not, not a coming, super athlete. No, he didn't he didn't you know, he's not coming in from playing in the Big East. He's coming in from playing, you know, uh, high school hoops in Ohio. That That is where it's like, oh, okay. And even with X, who who is, uh, took it to another level in the last, say, 20% of last season, it took him a long time to kind of figure it out coming in um, as a transfer. So, you know, and, I mean, and he me, didn't have any of the physical limitations. I mean, well, he no, was no, physically ready. But but I'm saying is in the portal, if we wanted to bring oh, in a right, point guard right, next right. year while Gabe gets up to speed and physically yes. uh, ready and the game slows down for him, et cetera, because I think Gabe can really be a, an excellent point guard, but not in the first few months of his college career. Will, will there not be a, a serious learning curve? And it would be better to ease him into it totally. rather than just be like, okay, it's your team now, young man. Good luck. I agree. That's, and I would even say within his first couple of years, he may not be. He, he may end up being a great point guard junior and senior year. Asking him to be an impact player freshman and even sophomore year is asking a lot. It's asking a lot for a guy who is not physically gifted where he can rely on that. You know, by all accounts, he's a guy who's going to run the team really well. But is he going to be a guy who can get to the rim and create his own shot the way Xavier could? Is he going to be a guy who can lock somebody up defensively the way Xavier could? Probably not. I think you're right. Like, we don't have that guy coming off the bench that you hope could develop into that. I think Trey Galloway is a great role player. But I agree with you. It's why the, missing out on these 23s was so hard and tough. But I also want to say this, like, because I don't want people to think, like, oh, it's doomsday. Multiple things can be true at the same time. Multiple things are true. And, and those are that in Woody's first year and a half, he has upgraded the talent on this team, no doubt. Right? You you would we're, agree with that? Oh yeah, it's just we're already getting spoiled by like yeah. like the. I mean, we have well, this not. Perfect... I don't think we're getting spoiled. I think we're getting educated on the kind of talent you need to compete at the highest level. We saw a glimpse of it at the end of last year, and we knew we needed more to even get to the level we want to be at, which is consistently being at that level. And I think we have it this year. Well, and, and the, it's a perfect confluence of events, whether it be NIL and the renaissance of the big man in the college game with Trace coming back, all these guys uh, who have you know now had a year under their belt with, with Woody, even if they were there before him. You've got the perfect combination of, of age, of size, of, of you know, experience going along with the age, and then you know, 
a, potentially a great backcourt to go with a front court that has an all American yes. and a 12 year senior race Thompson, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and obviously shooting's going to remain the question until it's not, or, or scoring, let's say. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, th- I think we're, we're seeing this team come together in Woody's second year. That's really exciting. Um, and to, to, to repeat that, uh, well, it's going to be impossible because it, it's just every year, every season, every team's different. But if if you're losing some some strengths or some players, you know that you've already got the guys in place, whether they're they're younger guys on the team now or truly stud freshmen who can come in and take over a role um, or create a role for themselves, like Jalen's going to. Um, that's, that's tough to repeat. And, and if you're one of the, the five great programs that are like, okay, this is, we, we lost three guys to the lottery this year. No problem. We're just going to grab these two five stars that, that will fill those roles. And then we'll get a guy in the portal who can shoot the lights out from the corner because we're Duke or we're North right, Carolina. Right, so right. we'll have first dibs on whoever we want. We're, we ain't there yet. And, no, uh, no, exactly. And that's what I mean by multiple things can be true. Woody has done a really good job upgrading the talent within 18 months. He's done a really good job getting the team to compete at a level that they didn't compete at before. He made a defense that was a bad defensive team into an elite or borderline, let's say, elite defensive team. Certainly an elite defensive team in the conference. Certainly. I yeah, mean, we were number one, so you can't get more elite than that. Like, uh, like to to sit on that for a second, like because I think we're at least in my mind's eye, I'm always sort of like looking at how the pieces will work together on the offensive end. But then when I I look down at the other end, and I just see this this smothering defense with our humongous athletic guards now, um, that I I, I think in some ways that could end up being the most consistently enjoyable thing of, of this team too, where it's like, okay, yes. defense was last year and now we've got a great backcourt and let's really see what this offense is going to do. I'm like, well, I think probably the defense is once again going to be better than the offense, but man, like having talked to a couple of the players, like, do you think the defense can be even better this year? And they're all like, yeah. I mean like, whoa, that's going to be really fun to see because you know, even in the uh, even in the best of times, um, since Coach Knight left, we've had maybe one or two seasons with like really solid defenses, and this this could be the best defense we've had. You know, not even Coach Knight's last few teams, but like going way back. I agree. If, if, and and that's just like okay, yeah, let's take some time to get excited about and, that too. And even some of Coach Knight's great teams, some of them gave up a lot of points. I mean, that's the truth. They were just so the, – the other part was they were just so disciplined that they didn't turn the ball over, you know, so they took out the mistakes that cost you games. They were always so disciplined and smart. But I agree with you. I think we should be expecting a defense that is better than last year because, I mean, Jalen hood Shafino should be able to step right in defensively. Jordan Geronimo is a year better and a year into – a system that that he understands more. They're all a year into a system that they understand better. So I agree there. And again, multiple things can be true. All that can be true. And it can also be true that the recruiting looking forward is not where we want it to be and need it to be. And the 2023 class, as it exists right now, is not where 
It should be. And yes, things can change. Yes, a, a spring recruitment can, can open up. But I think we don't want to be in a position at Indiana where we are walking this high wire act where you're hoping that somehow a spring recruitment pops up that saves the recruiting class or that you're banking on the transfer portal. No one wants that. The coaches don't want that either. So I think these multiple things can be true, and it doesn't make you less of a fan, and it doesn't make you the sky is falling. It just makes you an educated fan going, I like a lot of what's gone on, but here's where the shortcomings are. And as we look forward, we need to shore these things up or the bottom could fall out again. And we don't want that to happen because we're not in a 10-year rebuild here. That's, no, that's I, not what this is. And, and look, we had the great pleasure the last time we were in Bloomington to, to, to break bread with the always impressive and engaging Coach Ya. And Coach Ya, in sort of the big picture, he's like, now we just got to win. Now yeah. we just got to win. And I think they've been able to sell um, so many recruits uh, on, you know, Coach Woodson, you know, the system, the style of play, the potential. Um, but as, as they get into year two, it's like, okay, now we've got the pieces in place. And if they do win and they are impressive this year and they've got these incredible pre-conference games against the best yeah, programs yeah. in the country, of course that really helps elevate um, the profile nationally, the brand, to these young kids who have no idea what Indiana used to be as far as right. performance on the court. Um, and that would certainly help with last-minute recruitments, with portal stuff. But on the flip side, you know, if, if somehow there's, there's some disappointment in this season um, and you can't sweep up those guys, and, and let's say it, it's, a, it's a good year, maybe not a great year, not great enough to put us in that conversation with the right. best of the best programs – and then you lose a bunch of the talent. You don't get the portals transfers maybe you were hoping for. And then like the the momentum that has clearly been building up to this point suddenly dissipates. And it's really hard to resell that narrative of like we're a program on the way up because right. it's like first year's better, second year's really good. Uh, but then third, but not not great enough to be elite. Like we're a final four team. You know, but then there's this dip again. Suddenly now everybody's looking at, well, okay, what are the other new coaches out there and the other, the other programs that are selling us on what they're going to be? Because by year three, people are going to start saying, okay, this is what IU is under Coach Woodson. Right. And here is also a kind of an indication of where we are and how we are not anywhere close to where we need to be. With a really good team like a Duke, a Villanova, North Carolina, Kentucky, you know, Gonzaga, I mean, there's a lot of them. UCLA, I think he's even in that group now. They are not so dependent on like one or even two players. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Indiana, here is the conundrum for Indiana. And I've had this conversation. I think you've been part of these conversations too. The best thing for Indiana in 2023 on the court is for Jalen hood Shafino to be there. Obviously, that is the best thing. That is not the best thing for Indiana as a program. The best thing for Indiana as a program is that we got this kid from Florida with no ties to Indiana. He came to Indiana as a, a, a five-star, but not a top 10 player. I think he was ranked in the 20s. And we developed him. 
and exposed him to the national scene. And he was so good. And Woody coached him so well that he gets drafted in the first round of the NBA after one year. That is the best thing for the program of Indiana going forward because that is what kids care about more than anything, the top kids. The top kids, yeah. That's, and so, that's a great and it's point. A, and it's a bit of a, this is a dilemma that most programs that are at the level we want to be at don't have because they're not dependent on one guy for their, for their season to be either really good or not. And we are right now because we don't have the depth of talent at the highest level. So that's just another indication of like the complexity of this thing, because obviously we want Jalen Huchifino to be there for four years, but that's not realistic. And it's not even what's good for the program. What's good for the program is Yasir and Kenya and Woody to show tape of Jalen Hood Shafino at NBA draft night mixed in with highlights of his year at Indiana where we went to the Sweet 16, you know, and competed for a Big Ten title. And that is a difficult thing for a fan. It's difficult for me to come to grips with because well, it could, it will hurt us for Jalen to not be there in 2023 but it may be the best thing in recruiting more talent to fill those shoes going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point, and it's a, it's a dichotomy of what's best for the team on the floor in 23 compared to the recruiting moving you know, past draft night uh, next summer. Right. But uh, what we have not actually touched on, which in an effort to make things more positive and optimistic because you look, we're working at, this is, this is Hoosier therapy here, right? We're yes. all working through it. Like our deepest, our, our deepest, darkest nightmares. You, you get them out, you share them with your friends and suddenly they, they don't haunt you quite as much. Um, but to, to go into the light, look, this Montverde situation, if things go well for Jalen and of course for Malik, you know, and, now Derek's going to come to town and now Aza's going to come to town and um uh Liam, uh, Liam and McKeeley. Liam you know like whoa this is the best prep school in the country at turning yes. out top talent and um clearly these guys the, the 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 ones I just mentioned um are hearing seeing enough from both their coaching staff and from what their former teammates um, fellow Montverde alums are telling them that they're like, yeah, let me go check this out. And you you don't want to lie on a, a rely on a singular pipeline, but if you're gonna have a main one and just keep keep that that nozzle all the way open, I mean that really is extraordinary. And if that's something to to your point, if if Jalen goes off and he's a lottery pick or a first round pick next year after we have a really good season, and then Malik's gonna come in and and have you know let's say this season carves out a nice role for himself behind Race and Trace, but then it's really going to be the man next year and we can get one or two of those guys um to show up in their time that 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 could be uh, a lifeblood for all of woody's regime that i i couldn't agree more all the more reason why again that prep school is about prepping pros right i mean i know they yeah. have national championships but they are a pro factory i can't remember what the number was but there is some crazy stat on the number of draft picks that have come out of Mount Verde over the last three years. I mean, we are talking like well into the double digits. I mean, it's a crazy number. And if Jalen comes to Indiana and in one year 
puts himself in that conversation and is a draft pick in the NBA, well, my God, the coaches down there, the support people, the assistants are going to be like, why not Indiana? They well, loved it. They had a great experience. They made good money on NIL in the time that they were there. Mm-hmm. And it got them ready for the NBA. And they were drafted. You're absolutely right. It's so key. And let's talk a little bit about Derek Queen for a second. Well, j- just to f- it was yeah. seven players they had drafted in 21. In one year. In one year. Yeah. So, I mean, look at it over the last three. I don't know how many it is. But it is. We're into the double digits. Like, easy. So... Derek Queen does seem to be, I would say, you know, 1-1-A priority for the class. And the reason is not just because he's a big man that's really skilled, but there is a chance he reclassifies. And obviously that would change the fortunes of the 2023 class as well. But there is a big push for him to reclassify. Uh, Interesting note on him. The 2023 class is his natural class. Oh, he he reclassified in huh. eighth grade to go down a year. Okay, so it's not a Christian Lander situation where he would be so young. Oop, are you this is the class that he was supposed to be in. So getting him in that class isn't as big of a stretch as I think some other reclassifications. And getting him on campus. That's is good. Because Ward, I'm going to let you talk for a second. Somebody's ringing my doorbell, so you talk for a second. Okay. Yeah, well, I think we've all been traumatized by the Christian Lander situation because there he was, five-star kid out of Southern Indiana, who was supposed to be uh, our point guard of the future, and it really does seem like he's this young, skinny kid who was not ready to play at the collegiate level. So uh, I think it's a natural reaction for Hoosier fans to be like, oh, no, uh, reclassifying uh, doesn't work. Um, in the case of a really big dude who, as Eric pointed out to all of us, um, is is of an age where uh, it, he, he would naturally be coming in as a freshman next year. And we are clearly going to need a man of his talent and skill set uh, once this wonderful class of seniors and potentially underclassmen who are going to go to the NBA depart. Um, it could be a situation where reclassifying is like, oh, yes, this is why this happens, because it's best for both parties. So, yeah, um, it feels weird sort of talking to everybody out there. Let, let's buy a show of hands. Who's having a good time? Who's having a good time? Uh, I think we should be opening it up to questions here soon. Um this is going to be our podcast for the week. Oh, Western. I'm back. They, they, oh, Eric's back. I was just saying, you know, we maybe should be opening this up to a few questions yes. with the caveat that, hey, if you're asking a question here live on Twitter Spaces, you are going to be on the podcast this week um, and you won't be paid for it. There'll be no cash exchange. None. This is no just compensation. You freely given your voice and and uh, opinions to the program. You are giving uh, us your NIL. That's right, except without the image part. By the way, I just want to follow up, too, on that Derek Queen visit, which is so important coming up here in less than two weeks. Yeah. Liam McNeely is on that visit with him. And, yeah. that is a, and, and those two guys are, I think, of this list of 24 guys. <clears throat> these are both very real. Um, yeah. People aren't going to like to hear this, but Maryland is a problem for us with Derek Queen. They're, uh, they're, they're on the lead lap. Uh, uh, we don't like them, but if, they're there. If, 
I mean, you know, just to add a little um, sophistication uh, to the program, fuck Maryland. Uh, yeah, they're, sure. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, I've hated them for a solid 21 years, like any Hoosier fan. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that they are, you know, they're 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 on this cycle now of being able to upsell what the program's going to be. And honestly, the DMV has been more of a uh, recruiting hotbed in recent times than Indiana has. And look, we've got some great players coming up in Indiana in the next couple of years. But right now, damn it. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's uh, they're a problem for him. Liam McNeely is going to be recruited by a lot of the big guys and other guys may come in. Um, But he's very Liam McNeely is an interesting guy, Ward. I think that, um, God, I want him to commit so bad so we can talk to him because this is a guy who understands the history of basketball. His favorite movie of all time is Hoosiers. There we go. He, he knows the history of Indiana University. He gets it. It's part of the reason why he's excited to visit. So <clears throat> these two guys are very important and very real. Um, and, and I think like really at the top of the list, as well as you called him Asa. I don't know if it's Asa or Asa. I don't know. Asa. Let's just call him A-Train. Okay. We'll run an A train yeah. on. Oh boy! <laughs> God, yeah. No, it doesn't even mean. I anything. know, but it just sounds horrible. <laughs> it just sounds horrible. All right, let's get our man here. All right, Rise. Chief Justice of the Hoosier Hysterics, Ryan Madden. Hey, how's it going? It's good. We've missed you. We've missed you, buddy. I, I'm on vacation. I'm not even in the U.S. I'm in France right now. Wow. Uh, But uh, by the way, Ryan, when someone says we missed you, it's customary for you to then say we missed you also. I listen listen (laughs) to you every week. How can I miss you? Oh, fair like, enough. You fair. don't hear me. I hear you all the time. And and by the way, I would also say, Ryan, that if you listen to us every week, there is no chance that you can miss us. Even people that listen to us once a year, they don't miss us. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, I, I get it. Sorry, I'm, I'm just giggling because of. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. So what's going on, man? What do you want to What do you want to talk you get, about? You, you got like a baguette there ready to talk Hoosiers? It's amazing how many French people legitimately just go places carrying a baguette. It's I love crazy. That. It's crazy. It was raining yesterday and there was this woman climbing up a hill to her little village and she was huddling a baguette underneath her coat. I love like, it. Trying to protect the baguette from the rain. It was very, very fresh. Very I love it. I love it. I respect it. She she was smoking a Galois also. Oh, my oh God, Jesus, here we worst. go. Sorry. Um, All right, Ryan, what do you got right. for us today? Okay, so first point um, is Maryland is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually once lived in College Park, but I know some people who are close to that program. And they, you know, we were just talking during the Kaiser recruitment and stuff. And they're, yeah, they're very real for Queen. Um and then I guess my main question is, is Jalen the kind of player we should be going for in these other classes? As in someone who is willing to make a decision relatively quickly? Like, should the staff be reaching out to certain prospects who they anticipate are going to make a decision on an accelerated timeline? If we have to assume that Woody isn't going to put in the work over an extended mm. period of time, do we have to instead narrow our focus onto good recruits who are going to make decisions relatively quickly. That's a really interesting question. I, I, I would say I would hate it if we did do that. 
because it's just narrowing the pool so much. It just makes your margin of error so much smaller. If you're all, if you're just going to focus on the kids that are the shorter recruitments and I hear you and I get why you're asking it. It makes sense. I just hope not because it just limits your pool. And, 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 and I would like to think that we can figure out a way to get in on these kids that you've got to go the marathon with and win them because I just think that's sustainable. I don't think the other way is sustainable. I just don't. I don't think it's sustainable year after year. Whereas building long-term relationships, you know, surrounding a kid the way that that recruiting recruits usually get surrounded, that building relationships on a weekly basis, building personal relationships, that that's the way to go. It seems like that is the recipe for success. And anything else might give you short-term success, but I just don't think it's sustainable, Ryan. All right, here's it. Yeah. No, you can go, Ward. Uh, I, well, and, and I think this is the thing, that if this is like the missing ingredient that could easily be added of, of our head coach really investing in a handful of priority recruits in each cycle, all we hear about from the players in the program is how much Woody loves them and they love Woody and it's about family. And that is such a powerful thing in this day and age. And if Woody could just extend that to a handful of these kids that, that to make them feel that love that is very real and authentic coming out of that program, uh, we wouldn't even have be needing to have this conversation because when you add in everything else we have going for us and coach Woodson has going for him, uh, we we would be killing it on the long term ones too. But to to answer specifically the question, I think we got to do both. We got to hope that the marathon recruitments we figure that out, and and Coach Woodson does spend more time on them. Uh, meanwhile, anytime we identify a, a short term one, yeah, of course, go for it. But I agree with Eric that those are probably going to be too few and far between. And even in these three short recruitments extenuating circumstances you can't count on even one of those a year much less a couple of them and the and in a short recruitment everyone's trying to learn about each other really quickly and in one in some cases even the program might be turned off by the player or just not yes. want to pursue it yes this has happened to us recently yes so you know it is kind of a risk everyone's trying to find out a lot about each other really quickly in the speed dating scenario. It's it's a great point, Ryan. It's also why many coaches don't like the transfer portal because they really do worry that like with a long recruitment, you get to know everything about the kid. You get to and and by the way, that's not foolproof because some of those don't work out. But you get to like you're talking to teachers that taught them in high school. You're talking to trainers and assistant coaches and family members, and you get a very good sense of the kid and how he's going to fit into your culture. With a transfer, you know, they announce that they're transferring in April or May. You're trying to get a commitment from them in that same month. You just don't have the same time to do the the due diligence to know, is this the right kid for my program? And it's why I think a lot of these transfers just don't work out, you know, because of what you're saying. I just, you know, you cannot learn a kid nearly as much in a four-week recruitment as you can in a year-long process. And that's, can... be- and that's why Xavier is a great example of the best of the IU transfers because Kenya had all that information about him, knew yeah, all right that point. from previous relationships. 
Um, yep, so right. he already he had all that. It was like they'd done the long recruitment, at least yes. on the program side. No, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Are there any of these players that Woody does feel like he wants to be? Like, is it a blanket? I, I guess I just don't know. Does, is it a blanket? He doesn't want to do this every week? Or are there some players who he's actually excited enough about that he's going to do it? Like Jalen Harrelson, for example. Is that someone yeah. he really wants to he really wants to get and will put the work in and wants to put the work in? Um the tough question. I mean, um, look, he was there at six thirty in the morning with the rest of the staff. Yeah, but on the, but, on the first day, but but that doesn't indicate that he then no. called him a week later and asked him how his that, lunch was. That's a great point, Ward. And that's the thing that I think as fans we just need to not get so spun up about. Like, I know there's been so much talk about, look at how this blitz that Indiana's been doing since last Friday when the recruiting period started. Yeah, but everyone's doing that. Like, we are not doing anything in this recruiting period that the other top schools are not doing. We are doing, we are showing up for work. We are doing the, the what is required. Where you win these things is the stuff in between. It's the random Tuesday night where you check in on a kid and ask how his biology test went. It's where you call the brother of the kid because you know how close the brother is and find out how his new job is going or how's he doing in his school and his degree. That's the stuff that doesn't get reported on. You couldn't report on that regularly. And that's the stuff that I'm just not sure, you know, Woody's never lived in that world where that's been important. He wasn't conditioned and brought up and trained in a world where that's what you do. So it's a tough question to ask. He clearly wants Jalen Harrelson. Is he willing to do the stuff that Matt Painter and Tom Izzo and the rest of the guys are going to be willing to do that are recruiting him? I don't know. I, I don't think we know that answer yet. Um, well, and, and it, look, hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. It, for some reason, it just dawned on me for the first time ever talking about recruiting. The only time I've ever been recruited was to fraternities as a freshman <laughs> in, in, in college, right? And, you know, like show up at one house – and on my very first visit, here's here we we'd like to offer you a uh, membership. We'd like for you to become a, a pledge and associate. And I I was like, huh, okay. Uh, that uh, first of all, I'm a little concerned. You're willing to bring me into your brotherhood after like showing me your house for 20 minutes. Like you don't know, like I could be some kind of psychopath and idiot, like whatever. And I am all those could things. Be. And you just, and, and you just, and you just offered me a part of your, your, your house to live in. So like, but the place I ended up joining Lambda Chi, like I had a couple long-term relationships there and a couple of their own guys on my floor who were going there. But it was like older guys in the house who I'd known for a while because of, of one of them was from my hometown where like you're a kid, you don't know anything really. And you just want somebody you feel comfortable with and, and, and a, a history with and a trust so if they're like, oh, yeah, Coach Woody showed up at a few of my practices and he was really cool when I went down there to meet with him. But this other guy has been calling me every week or two for the last year. And I just feel like I know him. And yeah, he's he cares got my about back. I can but, trust him. By the way, I think that when it applies to Ward and I, the following quote from Groucho, Groucho Marx is especially true, which is, 
I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is one of my favorite quotes <laughs> of all time. When people offer us something, we know there's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously not the same here, but I agree with you, Ward. I, I think that that is why I don't get all spun up about like, oh, he was there at 6 a.m. or, oh, he went to Florida and then Ohio. It's like, yeah, that's what everybody is doing now. We just as Indiana fans don't follow the other coaches, but the other coaches are out on the trail too. That's not where these things are won. Now, could you lose a recruitment right now? Sure. Could you lose a recruitment because Jalen Harrelson's like, wow, Indiana didn't even show up in the first week? Sure. That could bother you. That could stick out. It stuck out for Xavier Booker early on, that Indiana just wasn't aggressive. You're not going to win it then. Where you win the recruitment is all the stuff we don't see. It's all the stuff in between. It's the constant text messaging. It's the regular communication with not just you, but your parents, your trainer, your AAU coach, your brother, your sister, your mother. Your, I mean, all that is the stuff that wins these long-term recruitments that doesn't get as much ink because, or, or I should say, doesn't get as much zeros and ones on a, on a blog because you don't have um, visibility to that stuff. And so... I just would caution everybody from getting so spun up about offers being made and p- seeing people at their schools. Yes, that's that's the minimum requirement right now. Guys, the question we're, is, the que- what, the, we're going to start a drinking game. Every time Eric says spun up, you all have to take a shot. <laughs> have, have I said that a ton on this one? It, it, like three times in the last breath. Oh boy! All right, I got to stop. I got to stop. So I, Ryan, I, that's where we're at with it. I do think we should not get too spun up about Drink. this. <laughs> I know, right? Um, uh, I guess I'm wondering if there's if we have enough of a sample size. Like the 2023 class, we struck out everyone. Um, but like, A, we don't know necessarily if these are the reasons why. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay, okay. So let's say we do. But we won't – it's not guaranteed that we would in every recruitment, right? This gives us That's a better true. chance. And so it's important that we do it. But every recruit is going to have different priorities. 100%. And, so, 100%. and some of those things – and so, like Jamie Kaiser was close. We lost it, but it was close. If a few things were slightly different, maybe we win that one. And like maybe for Harrelson, if he's the Kaiser equivalent, like we have the hometown thing and we're closer – and, you know, and then yes. we have different, we have different advantages, right? And so not every recruit is going to be us trying to go into the DMV and take a recruit from the DMV and take them to Indiana, which no, is hard. That's true. But Ryan, what I would say is why in the world would you want to make it harder on yourself? Oh, no, we should not. And Woody should do it. That's, I, that's the, want, that's well, my and thing. It, and it goes right. back, doing it, it goes, doing it doesn't guarantee It goes success. back to the idea too of like, well, let's also up the, the numbers on the number of guys we're recruiting. Maybe the sweet spot is somewhere in between this last cycle and what we're doing now. But when you have some of those, you know, oh, this is what pushed us over the top. Oh, this is what actually prevented us from landing this guy. If, if the pool is a little bit bigger, um, then you still end up with enough dudes. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Hey, Ryan, uh, I've got to cut this off by three, and we've got a few other people to uh, get to. Anything yeah, else before I, we go? No, i got to go to bed. It's near midnight here in France. Yeah, man. So. Enjoy France. Enjoy that baguette. Will Bonsoir. Do. Bonsoir, yeah, monsieur. Bonsoir. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Uh, let's add. <laughs> Did you like my uh, accent? Oh, yeah. I, I could see you twirling your mustache. Let's go to Steve Swan, adding him as a speaker. Steve, hit that lower left microphone. Let, let, and I do want wait, to comment. I got one too. You go ahead first. Steve Swan, are you going to do a Billy Madison yes. reference? Oh, my God. We're just, we share the same. That's room. where you're going? Let, let, go let, for no, it. Let's you say do it. Together. It. One, two, three. Hello, Mr. Swan. I was going to go with, stop staring at me, Swan. Uh, Steve, how are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, man. Hit us with what you got. What you got? Yeah, so I don't want to, you know, keep on the doom and gloom here, but when, when you see other, you know, schools like Duke, UNC, meeting with players like Asa Newell and the other, you know, top 25 guys we're going after, I just, it's hard for me right now to see you know, the advantages or, or the chance we have against those types of schools. I mean, yeah. Um, I think one of our big advantages would be in our head coach with all his NBA experience, all his relationships, things like that. But it seems like he's not really in the place where he's utilizing that to his maximum uh, effectiveness. Um, and then, you know, another advantage we could possibly have is just that geographic with, with in-state kids. But, uh you know, in the case of Xavier, you know, Garway, Dwal, uh, Flory now, it just it doesn't seem like it seems like they're being pretty picky in state. Um, so I guess I'm struggling to see, you know, a, a kind of a niche of recruits that we're really focused on and have a good chance with at this point. I don't know if you guys have any take on that or what's kind of any any hope uh, regarding that. I, I do to pick, to pick up on the uh, idea that they're being picky. I do think they're picky. I think Woody is picky. I'm not sure that the assistants are as picky. I think Woody is picky, but not just in state. I think he's picky everywhere because um, I think he watches a kid, especially live, and sees stuff he does not like, and it really sticks to him. And, and whether that's good or bad, I, I don't really have a judgment on yet. I think it's too early. I mean, part of me thinks it's good because Woody's only going to go for the kids that he really believes in. And that's a good thing because of his wealth of experience with high-end talent in the NBA. I can understand the negative side of being picky. With Flory, I don't think we're being picky. We're going for Flory. I just don't think we have um, the juice to get Flory. Uh, and, and some of the connections and relationships that are needed there. I just don't think that that's panning out. Xavier Booker was a different story. He, he just didn't like him. I mean, that's... He just from the beginning. He just didn't like it. I mean, I. I well, he, and that's that's what that's the short and long of it. And but I, I think to your point of like Coach Woodson maybe not using everything to his advantage with somebody like Flory, where okay, there maybe aren't some of those relationships already there. Obviously, with the kid or those around him who might have his ear. Uh, well, you, then you have to actually work even harder right. than other head coaches to overcome that. We have yet to to see that happen. As far as a niche goes, it's like, well, we talked about Montverde, and I think we're really starting to try to make that one, which would be great. And then when you look at at Harrelson and Sisley, you know, I think it's it's no secret that the in-state talent has been a little lackluster as of late, but everybody's already identified those two kids as, as something special um, that are a little ways down the road. But at, at least to Eric's point, we're not doing anything to, to lose those recruitments yet. We're, we're putting in the face time necessary to be in the mix at this early stage. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think 
you know, the only one back in the day you could rely on was the legendary coach Knight being able to get the best players from in-state, which happened to be year in and year out, one of the best talent hotbeds in the country. But the game of basketball, thanks in part to Coach Knight, uh, has become so wildly popular across the whole country, in the South, in the DMV, that, you know, I, th- I think rather than like, this is going to be our singular source, we do fortunately have really good, strong connections between Ya and Kenya now in both of those places. And even if they're, they're harder ones to go in and get a kid out of there from a school that's closer, if, if we can stay in the mix with a bunch of those kids, then we should be occasionally bringing one in. And, and rather than it being one pipeline from any place, uh, it'll have to be almost, almost everywhere east of the Mississippi to, to sustain top-level talent year in and year out. And I do think, Steve, to your point, I agree with you. I think the idea that we're going to beat out Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas, Kentucky, Gonzaga, UCLA uh, for a top 10 kid is uh, uh, what's we got to win first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not I don't even know about that Ward. I mean, Memphis wasn't winning when Anthony Hardaway got top 10 kids, Um, but he had something else that he was bringing to the table. so I don't know, I, 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 but I do think it's a little bit of fool's gold that we're going to get these top 10 kids that have no natural connection to Indiana, like an in-state kid, or somebody that's got a long family connection you know, to one of our assistants. Uh, I agree with you there. But we certainly have shown we can get a Tamar Bates, a Jalen hood Shafino, a Malik Renew, who are right under that top 10, you know, 15 guy, and you can you can have national championship caliber teams with guys like that if you get them on a consistent basis. My, if I have a thesis here, is that the reasons we've gotten those guys is not a sustainable way of moving forward, and we better figure out the long-term thing quick, or even those guys will dry up. That's kind of where I'm at. Makes sense. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Steve, be good. Let's bring in one of our really good friends, five lefts, our and man the, Milton. And Ghost of a G, you're going to be next and our last yes. our last caller today. What's up, Milton? What's up, guys? What's going on? How we oh, doing? Man. Good, to, good to hear your voice. I'm doing really well. Um, it's glad to hear, uh, good to hear you guys, too. I'll be really quick. Um, now, I've been listening to you guys. My only question is, um, I kind of don't like the narrative that Woody isn't putting in the work because I think it's kind of unfair and a little bit in the reason. Let me explain why. Um, because, you know, you guys did mention, I, I guess you guys kind of go back and forth, but it's mostly lean that, you know, it's starting to solidify a narrative that, you know, he's not putting in the work with some of these recruits. But I think it's like a matter of time. And I'm like, you know, like you were saying, you know, you have to put that, you have to nourish a recruit. And some of these recruits that we tried to get that we missed out on, you know, these kids were pretty good before they blew up, which caught the eye of our uh, uh, recruiting staff and everything like that. And so, you know, some of these schools, like local schools, like Maryland stuff, had already been in contact with some of these guys and built a relationship. And a lot of these guys kind of ventured out after they kind of blew up just to see, uh, what it was else to offer to them. So 
I mean, I just don't think that That's uh, this recruiting no. class is uh, a, a, a true reflection of how Woody is going to approach recruiting going forward. Because I think the 24 and the 25 class, I think his approach is a little bit more, in, you know, intensive of getting to know the, the players a little bit better and stuff because he has the time. So, All right, but, but Milton, let me throw something out to you because I, I hear that and I think that some of that is fair especially when you talk about some of these guys like Kaiser we got in on later. That's fair. But let's just use some guys that we know that we're in on early. Jalen Harrelson. Woody and the staff went and saw Jalen Harrelson at his school <clears throat> for the first time uh, uh, last Friday when, when the recruiting period opened up. Okay? That was the first time that Woody had been there. Matt Painter's been there four times. Tr uh, Matt uh, Sicily, Trent Sicily. That's a kid that we're in on, we've known about for a while. Matt Painter is having weekly communication with Trent and his family. Weekly. Woody is not. So, yes, I buy what you're saying on somewhat on some of these recruitments, but some of what we're basing this on is not just guessing. Some of it is basing on comparing how we are doing with these guys right now in the time where you should be building that relationship compared to what other coaches do. And I also want to say this, because I hear you on that we're kind of leaning more towards a, what could be a negative narrative. Here's the other thing I'll say. It might work. I don't know. Like, it's, it hasn't been enough time to know if it works or not. Maybe some of these kids get annoyed by these middle-aged guys calling them all the time. I and think maybe, so. And maybe Woody <laughs> taking, a, taking a back seat and waiting for something else. It might work. I don't know. If I had to bet, I definitely wouldn't bet on that strategy because I think towards point earlier, you end up committing to where you think you're going to get to the NBA the quickest, where you're going to get the most exposure, where you're going to fit into a playing style, well, but, but also where you have the best relationship. Well, and those relationships are born out of, out of that work. What that relationship means is all those other things you're being promised by everybody – you believe that coach more. And if he's been talking to you or your parents every week for a year or two years and somebody else you're just hearing from or seeing occasionally is telling you basically the same thing because they're all telling you more or less the same thing yeah, that sure. you want to hear. Um, and look, and I think Woodson's been really good at something he's been uh, noted for repeatedly by recruits or even somebody like Trace coming back is like, he tells me what I'm not good at, what he doesn't like, what he yeah. wants me to improve. And so I think Woody has all the experience and natural ability to smoke all of these dudes. But if he's not utilizing that and allowing these other guys to build very real, very deep relationships with the players and family, and, and to Eric's point, this, this, is, this is like common knowledge out there, these these people, the kids, the, the, the parents and coaches around them, they let the world know who's in contact and how often. So we, we know this is the ongoing situation. And when it's, it's September and we're still a few weeks away from just being able to focus on the actual team we have right now, this is what we start, you know, gnashing our teeth about because that's, that's what we do. And honestly, it's been so much disappointment for so long. I think we're almost hardwired at this point to look at, well, how can this blow up in our face? Well, okay, that all that makes sense. And you guys made sense the whole the whole time. That's not really what I'm saying. 
Um, but I will say, you know, uh, five in-person visits by a Matt Painter is, I mean, one visit by Woody, in-person uh, in person visit by Woody is worth five in-person visits by Matt Painter, in my opinion. I mean, I would think. I, I, I want to believe that. I do. I want to believe that. And you may be right for some kids. I don't think that's true for all kids. And we're not just talking about Matt Painter. We're talking about Tom Izzo and Chris Holtman. We're talking about other guys, too, that are in this. But I, I do hear you, Milton. I think, look, the truth is this is all conjecture. It's our opinion. And we're going to see. And we're going to see fairly quickly. And, uh, Milton, we got to let and, you go to get to the next one, Ward, because i got to get off by three. Yeah. Well, we, we all hope you're absolutely right, Milton. I'll tell you. Yeah, for, for sure. All right, all right, Milton. Be good. Peace out. All right. See you, man. Let's do this one real quick. Ghost of a ghost. Are you there? Hit the microphone. Gotcha. Uh, What's up, Ghost? Hey, I uh, just want to say three quick sections. Going to get through them fast. I know you got limited time. Three. I know. I know. Three. I'm trying to organize my thoughts. One. Um, You're really good. good You're good. Fan fest. Uh, heard the second one went well. Really glad for that. Uh, two. Just want to mention that Maryland had uh, inroads to their like their uh, staff for recruiting, which hurts in the long term because they've built those relationships. Um. And the other portion is that we're, and this leads into the next one, we have, I think, we're recruiting in the updated 247 rankings, the three through six recruits. And so I just kind of wanted to talk to you about, because you have this interesting data set of knowing uh, and interviewing players throughout time, throughout different skill sets, through different coaches, just kind of wanting to flip the discussion here and say, uh, you know, what do recruits experience? What is the thing that they want? What are the things that really mean uh, so much to them when they're being recruited and deciding on where they want to go? And I'll hop off here. Thank you. We, uh, oh, thanks, man. We keep hearing about style of play. I think that's been very prevalent of like, they have a specific skill set, different for each player. Um, but a lot of them think uh, very much along the lines of what's, what's going on in the NBA how my skill set fits into that, especially when you're talking about top 10 kids. It's all about a launching pad. And so they want to see tape of what this team does, the coach does with these players, where, okay, that's me in this system. And because that's me in this system, this is how I'm going to get to the NBA. I think for five-star recruits, high four-star recruits, that's number one. Eric, what do you got? I'm... Number one, as long as you include in that player development, because I think that player development is part and parcel to sure. playing style, that your playing style helps develop them. So I think that that is one in one A, is the style of play and will this program get me to the NBA? I do think exposure is huge. Is this a program where I'm going to get national exposure so that scouts will see me, NBA GMs will see me? Um, that's important. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's this whole NIL thing, yes. which, surprise, surprise, is a really big deal, especially to the top recruits who, um, frankly, you know, a lot of them could really use an infusion of cash before they hear their name on draft night. Totally. And then I would say relationships. Uh, the relationship with the staff and the head coach is still a huge part of it because all those other things, player development, style of play, NIL, there are many places that could check the box quantitatively on that. Here's the money we got players. Here's the number of players we got to the NBA. 
Here's the number of players that weren't even in the top 50 that we got to the NBA. You could just check the box on many programs that could do that. Uh, and, but the relationship component, that's qualitative. That's more of a gut feel. And I do think that that is why it's so important to build the relationships because you're competing with upper level programs that offer all those other things too. So where do you separate? Are you better in NIL? Okay, maybe. Maybe that that's incrementally better and, and that impacts the kid, but the relationship does matter. I do think things like facilities that we heard about before, I think those are less important than they used to be with the advent of NIL. So that said, Ward, I got to wrap it up. All right, man. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics, no E, no I. But, but sometimes, sometimes what? what? Oh, real quick. We've got two free tickets to Indiana's football game this Saturday. Great seats, like very close to middle midfield. Good row, and we're—I forget what the row is. I think it's like fourteen or fifteen or something like that. It's a great row. If you want the seats, DM me and tell me why you are the biggest IU football fan. The best story wins, and you'll get the tickets. There you go. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're who 